Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. In a downturn, it would also be important for fiscal policy to support the economy. However, as noted in the Congressional Budget Office's recent long-term budget outlook, the federal budget is on an unsustainable path with high and rising debt. Over time, this outlook could restrain fiscal policymakers' willingness or ability to support economic activity during a downturn. In addition, I remain concerned that the high and rising federal debt can, in the longer term, restrain private investment and thereby reduce productivity and overall growth. Putting the federal budget on an unsustainable on a sustainable path would aid the long-term vigor of the U.S. economy and help ensure that policymakers have the space to use fiscal policy to assist in stabilizing the economy if it weakens. It is 9.53 a.m., November the 15th, 2019. This is episode 164 of Bitcoin And. What did you think of that? Huh? Huh? What do you think? What do you think of our our, our, our boy pal pal over there uh uh telling actual truth? <laughs> It'll be interesting to see which way this goes. Uh, So there was that first bit. Um, I want to remind you guys about where39.com. Website is a map that turns GPS coordinates, or I'm sorry, lat long coordinates into four or five English words. Uh, It's a really neat app. Um, It could be leveraged in several different ways, but it's it's a world map. And you find the location that you want on the map, like a city and and or a street, you know, getting on down into the street level, uh, all the way to a building at five. Like if you get close enough, it will suggest the words that it's converting those coordinates into. The It'll give you four words and then it will give you a fifth word in parentheses. And if you take the parentheses off and use all five words, uh, whoever gets those words can go to this map and find out to within. Now they're saying two feet accuracy. Uh, I have yet to actually test that out, but you know, let, let, let's, I mean, even if it's like, you know, a corner, like, you know, on the corner of, you know, fifth and eighth or something like that in, in, you know, New York or something, um, it would be a way that you could actually, you know, send people a location of where to meet, um, and not very, you know, like uh, nobody else would really know unless they know where where twenty uh, where thirty nine dot com is or where, how they can get to it. Um, what I would like to see is uh, the addition of a of a date and time of day, and that time of day would be in like UTC, like Universal Time Code or whatever it stands for. So you'd actually be able to, like, for instance, in a situation like that you could actually instruct somebody not only exactly where to be, but exactly to the minute of when to be so that they might, I don't know, see the drone land in the alley and drop off their sack of weed. I mean, 
there's all manner of stuff that can be done with this. Uh, really cool. Again, that's where39.com um, is the website, and and it's the user the user uh, interface is self-explanatory. It's simple. It's lean. I dig it. Oh, uh, Square Crypto has a, t- a tweet out there. Stick it to the man, and they just show us a picture of a single open dime that has uh, SQ Crypto in in the uh, shrink wrap that's that's over it. So. I got in touch with Novak and Novak said that they made this, especially for square crypto. I'm hoping that they make, uh, I'm hoping that Lolly will uh, jump on that bandwagon. It looks like they saw it and uh, are interested in, in the possibility of, of getting some open dimes done and, and you know, their, their wrappers. So that would be cool. Now uh, continuing on with, uh, with uh, Novak uh, Novak, as you know, is Rodolfo Novak. He is the guy behind Coin, uh, CoinKite, and they, they make the cold card and the open dime. Um, there's been a meme, a calculator meme going around. Um, <laughs> spread the meme. Spread the meme. Uh, this this is he, this is a tweet from uh, Andre, Andreas Man. What a lousy calculator. There's not even a cosine function built in. On a more serious note, cold card wallet, you could issue the same item description in the invoice, cold card mark three and custom declaration form, cold card calculator. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it looks just like, it looks exactly like a calculator. And so the meme, the meme is, the meme is born and has survived its first few days of life. So it should be smooth sailing to hyper memeization. Dovey Wan tweeted out uh, this morning that Tron's Weibo account has been officially banned in, uh, by the Chinese government. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's see. The Weibo, for those of you who don't know, is Chinese version of Twitter <clears throat> or China's version of Twitter. So, uh, yeah, the Tron account uh, is in violation of law and regulation, according to the Weibo website. <clears throat> so Tron is a scam. Please don't buy Tron. Keep Keep out of all that kind of stuff. Now, getting into straight-up subversion news, 3D-printed gun file QR code stickers. This is <clears throat> inblockpress.com, and it's one of, their, one, you know, one of the products that's featured here. So it's the picture shows a stack of QR codes, and at the bottom of the QR code, there's, it's printed, Can't Stop the Signal, and it's just a stack of stickers. And I, I like the description. Uh, it's five bucks for, I think it's... Five bucks for a stack. I'm not sure how many is in in the stack. Let's see, yeah, I can't really tell. So I'm I'm hoping it's not five dollars for one sticker. I hope it, there's a, a few more in there. Anyway, the description says, scan this QR code and be sent to a repository of 3D gun printer files. Perfect for slapping onto those pesky no firearms allowed signs around town or anywhere else that's trying to stop the signal. This product is a stock item and ships the next day. You get an email when it goes out. These only ship within the United States, depending on where you live. Learning about certain types of computer-coded design files may or may not be legal. Oh, God, yeah. Um, we Hold on. Can't find it right now, but news broke either yesterday or the day before that I can't remember what state, but a federal judge has deemed it illegal to um, be able to... Uh, take CAD files for guns and transfer them or store them or keep them online, that kind of thing. It's buffoonery because there's no way to stop it. But this flies directly in the face of of this ban that came out. On that note, CAD files are free speech. 
I'm sorry if you don't agree that some CAD files describe to a 3D printer how to print a gun. Actually, I really don't care if you're offended by that or not, because what it is is free speech. It's more of a First Amendment issue than it is a Second Amendment issue. Okay, keep that in mind. If that were to play out, it would get now it's it's the proverbial slippery slope. How many people in the world or and how many industries depend on CAD files? And now all of a sudden we've got regulated computer files because they have CAD information. It's ridiculous. Okay, stop it. Uh, so anyway, this is nblock.press product 3D printed gun file QR code sticker. So you could probably put that into Google and come right to it. Or you can go to um, my curated Twitter timeline for the morning roundup, which is where I put all of these stories. So if you can't find it on your own, uh, go to the show notes, find my curated Twitter timeline um, uh, URL, and it'll take you to what I did today. All right, let's see here. Uh, Okay, getting into the news, uh, if you haven't noticed yet, the mempool is stacked. Uh, This is going to be the Bitcoinist.com. This is Christine Vasileva, and she is writing, uh, yeah, this morning, Bitcoin network spammed by one Satoshi transactions. The Bitcoin network is working as usual as the small scales transfers of dust amounts of BTC are not affecting fees. The transactions are not a priority, hence they wait for others to be cleared. The backlog may take hours to be confirmed and all transactions included into blocks. Whale Panda's explanation, uh, they're speaking about a tweet that he did. Whale Panda's explanation included a consolidation of dust from wallets and addresses. Currently, there is no data for a dusting attack. BTC transactions have come into scrutiny, but so far, few theories have been proposed for the backlog. A dusting attack could be used as a tool to artificially connect multiple wallets and obscure the connections with noise. The Bitcoin network is otherwise showing lowered activity and lower transaction values as less coins are moving to exchanges. In the past day, about $1 billion U.S. in BTC were moved a relatively smaller amount. Confirmed transactions, however, are logically growing, and the backlog will be reflected soon. Currently, BTC works through 350,000 confirmed transactions per day. The mempool buildup is coming at a moment when almost any sign of activity is scrutinized for potential price effects. BTC hovers above 8,700. Okay, so that's not the case at this moment. We'll get to that. With expectations of sliding to a lower range if the trend continues transactions and mining activity are a proxy indicator of general interest in BTC BTC network has seen bigger backlogs which have also affected fees back in 2017 the heightened interest in BTC and the attempts to move funds created hours long waiting time times even with transactions with rather high fees at the moment a visualization tool, TX Street, presents all BTC blocks as arriving full already with enough transactions waiting their turn. The BTC transaction fee, however, has not increased and is at 43 cents, although whale scale transactions usually pay higher fees. Still, for BTC, this is the biggest mempool congestion since January of 2018. 
The backlog is also higher in comparison to the summer of 2019 when the Bitcoin network was used for a form of verification for other crypto projects. So there you go. There's an explanation of what's going on with the mempool because it is there's a, a, a shit ton of, of transactions waiting to be uh, processed through. Colin Harper is writing for Bitcoin Magazine on November the 13th. With open source caravan wallet unchained wants to make multi-sig mainstream. Now, I'm not going to read all of this, but it'll give you the idea. Austin-based Bitcoin financial service provider Unchained Capital just unveiled its newest multi-signature wallet tool. Revealed exclusively to Bitcoin Magazine in anticipation of the launch, Caravan is the latest tool in Unchained Capital's suite of Bitcoin investor products. Like the collaborative custody that came before it, Caravan is a multi-signature Bitcoin wallet, meaning it requires multiple devices and parties to sign off on a transaction before it is sent. Unlike its predecessor, though, which relies on Unchained Capital to act as one of the signatories, Caravan cuts out Unchained as a counterparty. The multi-sig option can either be completely trustless or involve multiple parties. Additionally, it's also completely open source, contrary to the private collaborative custody. So that's all you really need to know uh, about that one, because at this point, it gets into you know what's going on with multi-sig. So the, the importance here is the fact that it's open source and it completely cuts unchained capital out of the out of the loop if you so choose to do so. And I think that that's a I think that's a nice gesture. Oh, God. OK, so anybody we, everybody in, uh, in the space seems to be aware of the BBC podcast for Crypto Queen or the Missing Crypto Queen or whatever it's called. Um I find the timing of the release of the BBC series rather dubious in the face of this particular news. OneCoin founder's brother faces 90-year jail term after plea deal. This is William Foxley writing for Coindesk yesterday. Now, before I I read that, for anybody who who has not heard the the podcast that I'm talking about, it is about this OneCoin woman that started this whole thing, um, she's gone. She up and disappeared in 2017 and hasn't been seen since. I reported on that a couple of times uh, or or read you some news about that a couple of times this month, at least once. But now, you know, it just just seems odd that the, the timing is so close to the release of this plea deal that I, I just wonder if there was, I don't know, it's probably just a coincidence, right? The Department of Justice reached a plea deal with Konstantin Ignatov for his involvement in OneCoin Limited, a cryptocurrency project based out of Bulgaria. Ignatov pleaded guilty to multiple counts, including money laundering, according to the BBC. The deal was reached October the 4th, but released publicly Tuesday following his arrest at Los Angeles International Airport in March of 2019. He is the brother of OneCoin co-founder Dr. Ruja Ignatov, colloquial called, colloquially called Crypto Queen for her actions in the alleged scam and subsequent disappearance. Under the terms of the plea, Ignatov will not face further charges as they emerge against OneCoin and its constituents with the ex- exception of possible tax violations. Still, Ignatov faces up to 90 years in prison, the BBC said. OneCoin raised some $4 billion for its cryptocurrency and proprietary ecosystem and funding in what multiple governments have called a Ponzi scheme. OneCoin denies 
these allegations and continues to operate. God, it can oh, oh, just living on the on the rest of the stupid out there, I guess. God, it's just sad to see that. The BBC said Ignatov could be moved into the U.S. Witness Protection Program depending on the longevity of his sentence. Court documents say individuals have come forward with threats against him. While testifying in another ongoing case against Mark Scott, a U.S. lawyer accused of laundering funds, uh, $400 million from OneCoin, Ignatov revealed more details about his sister. A warrant for her arrest from the DOJ is currently outstanding. The BBC said Ignatov told the court that his sister acquired a passport and tickets to Vienna and Athens from her home in Bulgaria. She called one coin critics haters and was wary of being given up to authorities. You know, you think although Ignatov hired a private investigator to find her, he has not spoken to her since her disappearance, according to the BBC. So yeah, she's, she's gone. And I just have a sneaky suspicion that she is not dead. And I also have a sneaky suspicion that she's not captive. I have a sneaky suspicion that she's alive and well and living on the ill-gotten gains of all the poor souls that she dumped on and whatever. Now everybody's heard this one. PayPal stops processing payments for over a hundred thousand Pornhub performers. A hundred thousand. Can you, I hadn't, did no idea the number was that high. November the 14th, Sean Knight is writing for TechSpot. In a nutshell, Pornhub for many is little more than a seemingly endless supply of adult content, but for some of the site's performers, it's a platform that helps pay the bills and put food on the table. Now, thanks to a recent decision by payment processor PayPal, many will have to go about collecting their earnings in a different manner. I wonder how. Pornhub is to recent in a recent blog post said they are devastated by PayPal's decision to stop payouts to over 100,000 performers. Models that got paid via PayPal are being asked to select a new payment method and update their information ASAP. Those with pending payments for October should contact Pornhub directly to get the matter resolved. The company said it is working around the clock to make sure all payouts are processed as soon as possible. Payouts should start going out by the end of the week, we're told. The spokesperson for PayPal told Motherboard that after a review, they discovered Pornhub made certain business payments through PayPal without seeking our permission. Oh, wow, that's an interesting sentence. The spokesperson added that they have taken action to stop such transactions from occurring. Pornhub offers the option of direct deposit, but this is a risky alternative as many banks won't do business with people if they know the money is coming from a frowned-upon industry like adult entertainment. Cryptocurrency is another option that may gain a large following thanks to the anonymity it affords. Pseudo-anonymity is what they should say. Okay, I want to read that sentence again. PayPal discovered Pornhub made, quote, certain business payments through PayPal without seeking our permission. Let that roll around in your skull forever. Why would I need somebody's permission to make a payment to someone else? This is why we Bitcoin. State-run Ukrainian railway in Lviv gets caught mining Bitcoin. Helen Parts is writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning. A branch at Ukrainian railways was illegally mining crypto using the power grid of the state. 
state-owned enterprise of rail transport in Ukraine says that its Lviv railway unit used its electricity to plug in more than 100 pieces of crypto mining devices to mine Bitcoin, according to the official announcement on November the 15th. The state's power grid operating mining uh, operating mining farm, excuse me, mining farm was reportedly discovered by uh, oh God the security department and local prosecutors, as reported by the director of the Department of Economic and Information Security at uh, the name of the company that I can't pronounce, but it's this railway line. The farm was organized by officials of the Lviv Railway Unit. According to the report, an estimated amount of energy losses caused by the illegal farm has accounted for one million Ukrainian havranas have you that's their dollar whatever about forty thousand seven hundred dollars u.s in 2019 as the issuance and circulation of crypto in the territory of ukraine are banned dumb move criminal proceedings have been initiated for the case information on the offense was reportedly sent to turn turnipil police department of the main directorate of the national police in turnipil oblast at the time of the inspections, Bitcoin's price was around $8,400, the report notes. While cryptocurrency mining is not regulated in Ukraine, the industry has been subject to a number of regulatory investigations to date. In August of 2019, the Security Service of Ukraine arrested power plant operators for mining crypto at a local nuclear power plant facility. I remember that one. Previously, police employees of Ukraine were reportedly caught mining cryptocurrency at work. Meanwhile, the State Service for Special Communication and Information Protection of Ukraine said in 2019, or 2018 that it was not planning to regulate mining. The news comes amidst an unofficial announcement that Ukrainian authorities will be consulting with major global crypto exchange Binance to establish crypto-related legislation in the country. So everybody's getting on the mining train, even though it is just a bitch of an industry. I mean, I, I can't imagine it, but <clears throat> other people do and make a lot of money from it apparently. So Anatol Antonovici, Antonovici, cool name, man. November the 14th is writing for Bitcoinist. World's largest army could be rewarded in crypto soon. Oh, <laughs> the South China Morning Post cited PLA Daily, the official newspaper of the People's Liberation Army, as saying the Chinese army would drive innovation by implementing blockchain. The military could create a token reward mechanism that would consider various performance criteria, including skills, training, task completion, and payment. The Tuesday article read, quote, to award or deduct tokens according to one's daily performance and thus generate an objective assessment would effectively energize the human resource Management. I'm going to pause right there to have a huge laugh, although I won't do it in your ears. Leave it to the Chinese government to take something as an idea as stupid as this and still be able to turn it into something freaking sinister. My God, award or deduct tokens according to one's daily performance and thus generate an objective assessment would effectively energize the human resource management. Everything about that sentence is spooky. I mean, 1984 level spooky. Continuing, after Xi Jinping gave the green light to blockchain adoption, everyone suddenly started to realize the potential of the technology. PLA Daily said, quote, blockchain technology solved the problem of traditional digital data being vulnerable to tampering or hacking and lack of credibility. The author listed other potential use cases for the distributed ledger technology. For example, it proposes, sorry about that, I, I heard something and I kind of, 
I, I, it was just a weird, a weird noise, weird noise happened. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's do this again. In this case, the classified documents would be distributed among servers, but not copied. The DLT could also be implemented for PLA supply chain management and military logistics. Besides, it could store training records in order to maximize the authenticity of training results. The article went on by saying that a blockchain interaction system might speed up interdepartmental communication and cooperation within the military and human resource management. According to data from Statista, China's army ranks as the largest in the world. The nation's active military personnel is over 820,000 greater than the number two ranked largest army in India. Interestingly, last month, local media reported that China had a blockchain-based propaganda app that records a Communist Party's members' loyalty. The system will act as a permanent reminder of those who joined the ruling party. This is getting bad, y'all. Those who want to pledge their loyalty will share a list of reasons why they joined. The list will then be stored on a distributed ledger. The application called Lianshang Zhuzhen is another example of how blockchain in China could be used for control rather than decentralization. Man, everything about this this piece is just spooky as hell, man. Oh god lord. Now here's some more here's some more stupidity. Carrefour and Nestle use IBM's blockchain platform to track infant formula. Anna Alexandri is writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning. Retail giants Carrefour and Nestle are now using IBM's Food Trust blockchain platform to track the supply chain of milk-based formula for infants, according to a November 14th announcement. By using the platform, the firm aims to advance consumer confidence in the product's quality by ensuring more transparency of the entire supply chain of formulas produced by Laboratories Googos. The system aims to improve supply, improve supply chain transparency and conduct che- checks of infant nutrition products origins. It's just, I'm not even going to read the rest of it. Why? Because it's stupid. And I've seen at least three stories today, that I, or three rather other stories today, that's talking about putting items on a blockchain. No, I'm not going to read them to you because this is all nonsense. There's one talking about, and I, I've talked about this before. I could see putting diamonds on the blockchain, but even that really doesn't do anything because you have to have something or somebody actually enter in the data. Right there, you've got you've got the weakest link that you could possibly have. The reason Bitcoin works as well as it works is because the thing that we're interested in is generated by the chain itself. It's completely self, it's almost completely self-governing in that in that particular aspect. Anything else, any object, a freaking banana, a sack of potatoes or apples, or God in this case, infant formula, all of it depends on being entered into the system. And then you have to trust that the system was built to the point that that information cannot be changed. But it wouldn't matter. Let's say you could 100% trust these these systems to hold on and keep integrity of the data from now until God decides to destroy the universe. That one initial act of putting the thing on the blockchain is that's that's the perfect corruption point. So keep that in mind. And all every time that you see somebody trying to sell you 
this idea of putting something on a blockchain, just walk away. If you don't want to be rude, just, you know, stop listening. And I don't know, think about birds or something or think about Wyoming because Coindesk's Ian Allison is writing yesterday, Wyoming's new crypto banking law could defang New York's bit license. There's a way cryptocurrency businesses can get around New York's notoriously hard to get bit license and it runs through Wyoming. At least, so say members of the team that drafted the 13 crypto-friendly laws enacted by the Western state this year. One of those laws allows Wyoming to charter special purposes depository institutions, a new type of fully reserved fiat bank that can also custody crypto assets. With the SPDI, crypto exchanges and other startups could operate in New York without going through the state's licensing rigmarole under the same legal principles that exempt banks from needing state money transmitter licenses, Wyoming advocates said. Quote, we are fairly confident that the Wyoming SPDI will be able to operate in New York without a bit license. Chris Land, general counsel of the Wyoming Division of Banking, said Tuesday at Coindesk Invest NYC event in New York. The New York Department of Financial Services, which created the bit license in 2014, did not answer requests for comments by press time. The bit license was one of the earliest regulations specifically crafted for the blockchain industry, but many firms have complained that it is onerous and has driven entrepreneurs and innovators away from New York, the United States financial capital. Only 18 bit licenses have been granted in the rules five years of existence. Wow. Getting hold of one is known to be a slow and expensive process, and that's if you are in full compliance with all the requirements, which amount to a heavy-duty version of the money transmitter license. Some companies that fell short of NYDFS's expectations have publicly bemoaned the process. In addition to addressing the bit license problem, SPDI could ease a long-standing pain point for crypto businesses the difficulty of obtaining banking services. Once approved for the charter, the statutory minimum capital requirement to apply is $5 million. Firms would have master accounts with the Federal Reserve and the own ability to clear their own wires. Interesting. In other words, they could literally be their own banks, to use a familiar motif from Cryptoland. Quote, some companies might choose to partner with unaffiliated SPDIs, and others might choose to create their own affiliated SPDI. Caitlin Long, the gubernatorial appointee to the Wyoming Blockchain Task Force, told Coindesk, quote, the significance is that crypto companies won't need to rely anymore on the few traditional banks that have been willing to bank the industry, she said. The handful of crypto-friendly banks in the U.S. include Silvergate in California and Signature, uh, uh, sorry, Silvergate in California and Signature and Metropolitan Commercial in New York. Long said one of the best known of these banks, she wouldn't say which one, employs 65 compliance officers, making the whole business very expensive. If the Wyoming SPDI works out as suggested, it could be seen as an interesting parallel to the way City found a clever way to sidestep New York's tough usury laws. The bank made a landmark decision in 1981 to move its credit card operation to South Dakota, where legislators were won over by Citicorp's promise of jobs if that state lifted its usury ceiling. And as part of the far-reaching impact of the SPDI, Long said she is optimistic that New York, uh, sorry, the NYDFS 
will view the bank charter as trumping the bit license since banks have higher capital and regulatory requirements than money transmitters do. Quote, the Wyoming SPDI would need to apply to NYDFS to open a branch in New York and NYDFS would need to approve the application. But there's a lot of favorable case law precedent, said Long, a former Morgan Stanley executive. So if NYDFS denies the application, I think it would go to litigation and the Wyoming bank would likely prevail. Long also sounded optimistic about lawyering up if need be. After she spoke alongside Land on Tuesday's panel, she said multiple New York attorneys came up to volunteer pro bono to help the Wyoming banking division litigate if it ever comes to that. That's really. That's the most surprising part about this entire thing, that attorneys from New York, they are, they are barred in New York, came up to volunteer pro bono. Man, people really want this. They're, this is just not going to be able to be stopped. So uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, this, this one. Indian Parliament will not consider total crypto ban in the winter session. This is Helen Parts writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning. The Indian government will not be considering a cryptocurrency-related draft bill during the winter session of Parliament as was previously planned. The draft bill entitled Banning of Cryptocurrency and Regulation of Official Digital Currencies is not included in the session agenda issued in India's lower house of Parliament Lok Sabha on November the 14th. In August of 2019, the Indian government stated that the draft bill would be introduced in Parliament in the winter session, which takes place between November 18th and December 13th. As reported by Cointelegraph, the draft legislation purportedly intends to not only impose a complete ban on the use of crypto in India, but also to introduce a digital rupee issued by the country's central bank, the Reserve Bank of India. However, the proposed bill does not apply to Bitcoin's underlying technology of blockchain, as well as other related technologies associated with the development of the technology, including blockchain-based financial applications. So there you go. It's like, it's all, I, we'll see if it goes into a spring session or summer session or whatever the hell it is that they, they do over there. Um, but it kind of looks like they might be backpedaling. And that might be a good idea to backpedal because they're like share uh, the same continent kind of with, with China. Well, not really. I think in, India slammed into China uh, to, into the mainland long, long, long time ago. So I think technically it's enough. It's its own continent. But come on, man. I mean, they're really close to China, and and China's going to be doing this. So I'll bet you. I'll bet you my hat that India completely backpedals this thing all the way to the start line. And that's going to do it for your morning roundup. Vital statistics. Do you want the news or do you want me to skip it? Ah, screw it. We'll do it. Bitcoin's at $8,500 after another, we're looking at another 100 points. Yeah, actually a couple of hundred. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it is what it is, guys. Come on. We have a high over at CoinsBit at 8698 
And it looks like we're going to have a low over at P2P, B2B at 8,465. 327,000 transactions have been made over the last 24 hours with about 14,000 transactions average per hour. 1.36 million BTC have been sent over that last 24 hours and 56, uh, let's call it 57,000 BTC are being sent on average per hour. 4.17 BTC is the average transaction value, while 0.022 BTC, or about 200 bucks, is the median transaction value. We have very low block times because we gained a whole bunch of hash overnight. It's now at 8 minutes and 57 seconds. Let's see, 0.17 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis, and about 29 BTC have been taken overall in fees in the last 24 hours. We have a 15% increase of hash rate in the last 24 hours, and that puts us to 108.3 exahashes per second, which is nearing but not crossing all-time highs. I think the all-time high is 110 exahashes per second. Last commit to the code was sometime yesterday. Ethereum at 180, Bcash at 267, Litecoin at 60, BSV at 123, Ethereum Classic at $4.60, Dogecoin losing at 0.0027 at 27,000 transactions over the last 24 hours. Doge almost beat Litecoin. Litecoin has a sudden uh, had a sudden surge apparently because when I set this show up this morning Dogecoin was indeed bouncing all over Litecoin so I don't know maybe people are getting dumping it dumping out of their Litecoin yeah, yeah who knows mempool uh yeah let's talk about that let's see if it's still doing it oh good lord and I'm on mempool.space and I think mempool.space may be a little broken here I, we do know that there are, uh, according to this, there's 88 blocks deep in the mempool. Okay, so the, the mempool went crazy, and I, I read you that story earlier, with all these dust transactions, and it looks like, I don't know, maybe Coinbase or somebody, or I, don't, I guess we would know if it was Coinbase, but somebody major is cleaning up, you know, doing some some fall cleaning and cleaning up all their transactions. It may, or or it may be a spam attack. I don't know. If the miners are willing to pay for it, I don't see, or rather, if the miners are willing to mine it, then it's not spam. I, I just, I, I've gotten to that point now uh, where I'm just like, hey, it doesn't matter if it's, a, if, if the intent, even if the intent is a spam attack, if the miners choose to mine those, hey, it's up to the miners, man. But we are 88 blocks deep. Now, the reason I think mempool.space might be broken is they're saying that there's only 8,900 unconfirmed transactions. And that's actually kind of a normal number, even when we're one or two blocks, or like, let's say three to five, seven blocks deep, according to mempool.space, because I've been using it for a while. However, I've seen numbers that the that the number of unconfirmed transactions is as high as 15,000 to 20,000, which is still actually not all that, well, not all, I mean, it's, been high before anyway so that's what the the mempool looks like it's kind of going crazy but i I, again it's going to clear don't worry about it it's not that big of a deal lightning network we have 10,438 total nodes that we can see uh we have 823 btc in total network capacity we have 
oh, let's see, 13 new nodes have come online in the last 24 hours, and that's an 8% increase over the last 24 hours. And we have 113 new channels in the last 24 hours, which represents about a 5% increase. And there's your vitals. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and end this week with uh, the last tune that I'm going to play this week from uh, Backwards. Been really digging the music, man. And uh, somebody said, sent me a tweet that they enjoyed uh, back, the Backwards stuff on the pod, too. Said it reminded them of Linkin Park. And all of a sudden, it snapped in my head. That's exactly right this band does remind me a lot or some this music rather reminds me a lot of what i was hearing out of lincoln park which was you know a, a band i listened to a lot anyway let's just let's just get it done
careful with them screams, boys. You're going to blow your vocal cords completely out of your throat. That does happen to vocalists that sing that way. But while they're healthy, sounds pretty damn good, doesn't it? All right, so today's Daily train wreck is brought to you by Weiss Crypto Ratings at Weiss Crypto, W-E-I-S-S, Crypto, all one word. Uh, Cardano is clearly superior to EOS. EOS was first to market, but it's becoming increasingly clear that of the two, Cardano is vastly superior. More details on this in subsequent tweets. I know it's not the best train wreck in the world, but come on, man, it's it's kind of it's kind of wrecky. It, it is. <laughs> Why? Because they're talking about shit coins <laughs> and, and st- st- making like this statement that one of these terrible projects is better than the one of these other terrible projects. To me, that just screams train wrecked. And it kind of gets even worse because remember how it said more details on this in subsequent subsequent tweets. The next tweet after that is it, it says one slash four, meaning one out of four. So we're presuming that that four tweets will be coming out of that. I'll go ahead and read it. Not only does EOS have problems with centralization, but lately the network has also been unable to process any transactions for anyone who doesn't have a substantial amount of EOS locked up and staked. This is a result of EOS trying to go with a fee-less structure. So why am I bringing it up? Because there is no subsequent tweets. There's one subsequent tweet and, and like and clearly outlining that there was going to be more. I looked, I looked on their timeline. I looked all over for it. I tried to see if it was buried somewhere. No, it, this was the only tweet about why it's so clear that Cardano is clearly superior. Oh, well, I don't know why isn't Litecoin clearly superior? They never explained it. And what I'm, what am I getting at here? God, guys, stop trusting Wise Crypto to say anything. They literally don't know what they're doing. Hell, they don't even know how to tweet. Okay, they're they're making the asinine some of the most asinine ratings things in the that I've ever seen, and to make statements that that one shit coin is better than another shit co- coin because reasons is somebody that you don't need to be listening to, please. Stop, do not put any stock into what Weiss Crypto says about anything, especially Bitcoin. Anyway, that's going to do it for your daily train wreck. My voice is going to be fried to death, so I'm going to go right into Terrible Joke Corner with Dad Says Jokes. The average person is really mean. Good statistician joke there. If you're anywhere close to statistics, you get it. Otherwise, it really is a terrible bad joke. It's, I think that actually has has now taken the crown for the shortest terrible joke that I've ever read on this, which is in and of itself is actually kind of impressive that you can string that, you know, that little amount of words together and come up with a complete meaning that is a terrible joke. All right, so it's Friday. Uh, we've got drops in Bitcoin price. You know what? Let's just come back and do it all again on Monday. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.